Good morning. For those of you who may not know me, my name is Orlando Lopez. Uh, I would love to say that I'm a child of this church, but uh, I came to this church later in life. Uh, so I am an adult of this church. Uh, this church has faithfully supported me in my ministry for years, including now as I have transitioned to become the area director of Young Life in San Angelo. Uh, we count First Pres among our faithful supporters, and we are so appreciative for that. And I get the wonderful opportunity um, to be here and share with my First Pres family, my home church, uh, and that is such an honor this morning. I want to start off by setting the scene for you. The year is 2004. You can get premium gasoline for about $1.82 a gallon, you can watch a movie in the theater for $6. And if you turn on the radio, you might hear Alicia Keys singing, If I Ain't Got You. I was going to sing it, and then I remembered something. I, I remembered I can't sing. Some of you might be too young to remember that year, but for me, it hits right in the sweet spot. I am 31 years old at that point, and I can remember it very clearly. Uh, one of the biggest bits to hit news in September of 2004 uh, had everything to do with the queen of talk shows, one Miss Oprah Winfrey. Uh, during one of her favorite things episodes, if you, if you remember Oprah, she would have these favorite things episodes where she would give away some of her um, favorite things, right? During one of her favorite things episodes, she invited 11 audience members to the stage. The thing that all these 11 audience members had in common was they were all in need of reliable transportation. When they stepped onto their, the stage to their shock, she gifted all 11 of them with each one receiving a Pontiac G7 worth almost $30,000. She then proceeded to hand out small boxes to the almost 300 people in the audience. And she said, we're going to give away a 12th Pontiac G7. Don't open your box. We're going to open them all together, and one of you is going to win one last car. Some of you are already smiling because you remember this. When everyone had their boxes, Oprah counted down, three, two, one. And you've probably seen the clip or one of the hundreds of memes generate, generated from that very moment. First, you hear one person scream for joy, and then another, and then pandemonium spreads throughout the entire studio, and Oprah is pointing and saying, you get a car, you get a car, and you get a car. Everybody gets a car. It was amazing television. Nearly 300 cars were given away that day in a moment where every member in the studio audience received a car. That's almost $8 million in cars given away all at once. Like I said, it was phenomenal television. I watched it, and here was my thought. How come I'm never that lucky? Now, granted, I've been given plenty of amazing gifts. Uh, I have also been given a time or two a used car, but never a new car, and never a new car from Oprah 
Winfrey. And I'm sure plenty of us are all asking the same question. Does it get better than that? Can it get better than that, Orlando? And I'm here to tell you this morning that it can and it does get better than that. As a matter of fact, it gets so good and you, each and every one of you, is already a beneficiary. No, Orlando is not giving everyone in the congregation a new car. It's even better than that. To see how good it gets, I want you to open your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 12 through verse 31. Here's what it says. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer. If one member is honored, all rejoice. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you still, I will show you a still more excellent way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, I ask that you would speak to us today, all for your glory. Remind us that you have gifted each and every one of us and placed us in the body for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I know that this church has been walking through a journey through 1 Corinthians. And as I'm sure that you've already learned, 1 Corinthians was written to address several of the problems, some wrong views, some wrong attitudes, some wrong thinking in the church at Corinth. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, probably last week you heard about Paul clearing up some issues with um, the Lord's Supper uh, as, he, as he talked through and cleared up 
some misunderstanding on that. And now, in the opening of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, he introduces a brand new topic with these words. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. I have to admit something. I have to admit that I absolutely love talking about spiritual gifts. I think I love talking about spiritual gifts because gift giving and gift receiving is a love language of mine. I absolutely love getting gifts. Now, it doesn't have to be anything extraordinary. It doesn't have to be anything expensive. It could be almost anything. If you gifted me a rock and said, Orlando, this rock reminded me of you, I would take that rock and feel it was so special. I, I wouldn't question as to whether the, the shiny smoothness of the rock reminded me of you for one reason or another. That would make no difference to me. But it would be a great reminder to me that in a moment you thought of me. It's a reminder that you were thinking of me. Today, as I look around this congregation, here's what I see. I see lots of faces that I recognize. I see a few faces that I don't recognize, but I see everyone that I love. And as I look around this congregation, I see so many gifts that you would think it was Christmas time. As I look at each and every one of you and think about who you are and how God created you and wired you, I am reminded that God was thinking of me when he placed you on this earth, when he placed you in this church. Not only was God thinking about me when he gifted you to this world, he was thinking about this church. He was thinking about his worldwide church when he created you and everything you have to offer. You're even better than a car from Oprah Winfrey because you are a gift of God to the church, a gift from the great God of the universe himself. You're a gift of God to the church, both locally and globally, because God has placed you within this body. And I want to look at that for just a few minutes. But before we start into that, here's what I want you to understand. The very first thing I want you to understand is that as you look at the body, you see amazing diversity in our physical body and in the body that we call the church. There is amazing diversity. And here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that our diversity is purposeful. As Paul writes on spiritual gifts, he begins to com compare the church body to the physical body. And our physical bodies are actually quite amazing. I looked up a few physical body facts that I'd like to share with you. Did you know that information zooms across your nerves at almost 200 and 50 miles an hour. That is fast. Did you know that the average human heart in an average lifetime beats 3 billion times? The, the human heart is the only muscle in our physical body that doesn't get tired. It just works and works and works and works and works. Did you know that the nose can recognize one trillion different scents? Unless you're a teenage boy, then that's cut in half. That's why they don't know what their gym bag smells like. <laughs> Did you know that every second, 
your body produces 25 million new cells. And in the time it's taken me to give you this little fact, you've produced more cells, more new cells, than there are people in the entire United States. Did you know that pound for pound, your bones are stronger than steel? A block of bone the size of a matchbox can support 18,000 pounds of weight. The body, the physical body, is beautiful and amazing. God's corporate body, the church, is beautiful and amazing. But one of the things I find most beautiful and amazing about our bodies, both as the church and our physical bodies, is the diversity in each one of them. There's eyes and ears and noses and fingers and feet and, for some of you, hair. Each part is different, but that diversity is purposeful. When I look at the congregation of the church, I recognize that there are lots of people gifted in lots of different ways, and that difference is purposeful diversity. Diversity that God intended and designed. Our physical bodies ultimately are a picture of the kingdom. Each and every one of us is a piece of the body. Each and every one of us is unique. That is God's purposeful diversity. Is the whole body an eye? No. Because if it were, where would the hands and feet be? I remember, I, I've seen Monsters, Inc. You've probably seen Monsters, Inc. Too. There's one character that is one big eye i worry about him if he ever gets pink eye the one big eye but even this one big eye still has hands and feet because they are required in the body sometimes diversity is one of those buzzwords that gets thrown around today and some people see diversity as problematic as something that we have to provide a solution for let me tell you diversity isn't a problem that we need to solve as a matter of fact, diversity is something that we need to celebrate because it is ex essential for the existence of this body of Christ that is the church. We need each other because if we were all gifted in the same way, we couldn't accomplish anything. And it's when we understand that the diversity in the body is purposeful and designed by God that we can begin to express mutual care. It's when we realize that we are made different and that is purposeful by God's design that we can begin to express mutual respect. I need you and you need me and we all need each other. We can begin to express mutual dependence and we can begin to thank God because this is all part of his design. Look at the people around you. Each one offers something different to the body. And that has God's fingerprints all over it. But as we think of the body and how God has put lots of different parts in the body, all working together for the glory, there is something that I also want you to understand. I want you to understand that as we function together as the corporate body of Christ, Pride is problematic 
There's actually two pictures that Paul uses to show the dysfunction in the beautiful body of Christ, and both of those dysfunctions have pride as their base. The very first of those dysfunctions is believing that whatever you have personally to offer the kingdom is an inferior product. Let me tell you something. The scripture is very clear that he has given to each and every one of us something to offer the body. Each and every one of us serves a purpose in the kingdom. You may be a belly button, but you serve a purpose in the kingdom. You may not understand where God is needing to use your gifts, but you serve a purpose in the kingdom. And there is trouble when we begin to compare and say, well, I'm not a Howard or a Murray or a Dan Carter or an Orlando Lopez. I don't have those gifts that allow me to stand in front of everybody. And so my gift, as a matter of fact, isn't all that important. I love the way the scriptures say, the foot. The foot says of itself, because I'm not a hand, because I'm not an ear. The ear says, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. And Paul makes it very clear that regardless of how you feel about your gift, you are part of the body. You cannot say, because I, I, because I don't offer what Orlando offers, I just won't offer anything. You can't say, because I don't offer what Emily offers, I just won't offer anything. Because guess what? You don't get to opt out of the body. A hand can't say, because I don't do that, I'm no longer part of the body. Because it doesn't make it any less a part of the body. So thankful that Julie read our correct Old Testament passage, you should have been here at 8.30 when that Old Testament reading was quite a bit more interesting. And she talked about uh, uh, Bazaliel and Oliab and the craftsmen that were called into the building of the tabernacle. And God gifts them with abilities, and they're perfumers, and there are uh, 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 woodworking, and they're fabric makers. And he calls all these craftsmen together. And the reason I love that and the reason I use that as a picture of what the body of Christ looks like is because guess what? They weren't singers. And Bezalel could have said, you know what? I'm not a singer, so I really don't belong in the tabernacle. They weren't, they weren't offering sacrifices. Oliab could have said, you know what? I, I, I'm not there offering the sacrifices in the temple, so I really don't have a piece in this. No, God called craftsmen to use their craft to build the tabernacle that he used for his glory, and each and every one of them was necessary. They were called, they were craftsmen who God had designed and created to be craftsmen. You are what God has designed and created you to be, and that's nothing that you should minimize. As a matter of fact, you can focus on what you are not or you can dedicate yourself to use the way that God has gifted and wired you for his glory and to benefit the kingdom of God. It's this attitude that Martin Luther King described when he said, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, 
Here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. However God has created, you don't minimize that. Actually, maximize that and use it for his glory. If you are called to be a doctor, be a doctor for the glory of God. If you're called to be a teacher, be a teacher for the glory of God. If you're called to be a mechanic, be a mechanic for the glory of God. If you are called to be a stay-at-home mom, be a stay-at-home mom for the glory of God. The other problem of pride isn't just when we minimize our contribution to the kingdom. The other problem of pride is when we feel superior to others because of our position in the body. Paul writes it when he says, the eye can't say to the hand, or the head can't say to the feet, I don't really need you. Where are you going, head, if you don't have feet? When you think that what you have to offer is superior to what those around you have to offer, you've actually just put on the robes of a Pharisee. One of my favorite spots in this church is the Great Hall. And one of my favorite spots is in the Great Hall is in front of one of these paintings that shows the widow's might. Have you guys ever stood in front of it recently? Kind of really stood in front of it just to take in the actual painting. We pass by it so many times, I think we don't, Remember how amazing it is. But it's the widow's might and the widow giving two mites, which amount to a penny. Does Jesus notice the big giving that all the Pharisees had done? He probably saw it. But the one that impressed him, he, he tells his disciples, look, you see that widow who just gave two mites? She's given more than everybody. Because she gave out of what she doesn't have. Let me tell you something. Look around, and you may not even notice the contribution that someone around you makes. You may even disparage the contribution. But in the end, guess what? It doesn't matter because it's not your opinion that makes the difference anyway. It's God's opinion. And maybe he looks at the little that they are offering and recognizes that it's being used for his glory. You've probably never heard of Edward Kimball. He was a Sunday school teacher. But he believed in sharing the gospel with each one of his students and actually visited one of his students in a shoe shop and led him to Christ. That man led to Christ, D.L. Moody, great evangelist. D.L. Moody went around preaching and was invited to preach in the church of Frederick Meyer. Frederick Meyer heard the story of Edward Kimball and it changed his life. He decided to become an evangelist and he began touring. Um, he had a man who would accompany him, uh, heard the gospel, his life got changed. His name was William Chapman. William Chapman, again, an another evangelist, had Billy Sunday, one of his volunteers, who uh, would help out. Billy Sunday's life was changed. Billy Sunday becomes an evangelist. Billy Sunday is invited to a local community where the men in that community are so impassioned by his message that they decide that they're going to continue this. And they invite Mordecai Ham to give a series of sermons uh, to do a revival series in town. Mordecai Ham comes into town, this is 1932, and a local farmer would pick up young men and bring them to the meetings. 
One of those was a 16-year-old boy who came to the meetings every night, and the last meeting was so compelled by Mordecai Ham's message that he gave his life to Christ. That boy was Billy Graham. You've probably met someone that, whose life has been changed by the ministry of Billy Graham. But I guarantee you, Billy Graham and Edward Kimball have the same reward in heaven. As a matter of fact, I'm convinced that the unnamed farmer using his truck to bring people into the meetings has just a greater reward in heaven. Romans 12, verse 3 reminds us, for by, uh, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think of himself with sober judgment. The diversity in our body is purposeful. Pride in the body is problematic. And I finish with this. Unity in the body is powerful. In a world where every, it's every man for himself, when the church across the street is also our competition, the unity in our body locally and globally is a powerful testimony as to who God is and what he's like. We're interconnected. We need each other. You probably understand that in your physical body, and if you don't understand that or you've forgotten that in your physical body, I hope you remember the next time you stub your toe in the dark. Because when I stub my toe, I can't see straight. I can't walk straight, I can't think straight, because the whole body is connected. When we recognize that the whole body is connected, then we'll be able to mourn with those who mourn. But we'll also be able to celebrate with those who celebrate. Most recently, part of my ministry has been doing college ministry on the campus of ASU. And when I got there, the campus ministries made it very clear to me. They said, Orlando, we're, we're never going to fight over the students of ASU. Our call isn't to fight over them. Why did they go over there? Why are they over here? It doesn't matter to us where they go. They can go with you. They can come with us. They can go over here. We'll never fight over them, but we will fight for them. When part of the body wins, the entire body wins. When part of the body hurts, the entire body hurts. Romans 12 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. This is verses 15 and 16. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. We are a body. Lots of different parts. Each one gifted in a unique and special way. Coming together. That diversity is God's purposeful design. Let's deal with those issues of pride so that we can come together in powerful unity for the glory of God. Pray with me. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for this body who is a part of a greater body, each one different and unique, all working together for your glory. May we be reminded of our place and challenged to live out the functions that you have created us for. Live out the ways that you have gifted us. In the name of Jesus, amen.